Welcome to 15 to Life, the podcast that talks about life after life in prison. Come with us on a journey and explore stories from within the prison walls to outside the prison walls. All of these podcasts are dedicated to the victims of crime. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the podcast 15 to Life where we talk about life after having a life sentence in prison and I'm your host Tito Guerrero and today I want to talk about politics and for those of you who vote and everything which I hope you do y'all know we got an election coming up right um, and ironically it's not really what I'm going to be talking about but with the election, right, it, it all comes down to who you want in office, uh, what laws you want passed, what what you want going on. You you go out and you vote, right? Um, you quote-unquote have a say in it. I know the reality is uh, some things are a straight democracy where you vote, you count them up. Other things are, depending on where you're at, your vote might have a little bit more weight than somewhere else. Either which way, there's a process, right? And then we have uh, things like office politics, right? What can be done in the office at work or, or at your cubicle or wherever. And, and those things could range from proper etiquette, which can be pretty much uh, what we like to consider common sense. Like you, you shouldn't be calling a woman, hey, baby, and sexy and all this other stuff. To, um, you know what? You never call the CEO by his last name. Um, that, that could be one of the unwritten rules. He doesn't like it. Don't call him sir or don't call her ma'am. Um, don't refer to this as, you know, whatever. So there's always these kind of written rules and then unwritten rules, right? And anyone who works in an office environment and even at, you know, you could be a Best Buy employee or, or a Home Depot or Costco employee. There's going to be some kind of politics that go on around that, that work environment, right? And you probably have the same kind of thing at home, you know, your wife or husband. Um, there's certain things you just don't talk about because it could lead down another road and, and so we don't do it, right? So I just wanted to get you guys in that mindset because in prison, there are some hardcore politics and much the same. Some of those may shift a little, but for the most part, they're institutional type knowledge. And if you're not schooled up right, you can get in a wreck real quick. Or you might get a whole bunch of people in a wreck, which could be really bad for you later on. So I just wanted to kind of give you guys a quick scope on this. And hopefully I'll be able to get in uh, contact with some of my brothers that were in there with me. And we'll do a, a little kind of Q&A session with them. Uh, so you get a few different uh, viewpoints, perspectives, so to say. So needless to say, if you've been listening to these podcasts, you'll know that I did a total of 12 years incarcerated. Two of those were in county jail. Um, hated it in county jail. Um, I got used to it, although I will tell you county jail is like the worst to do time you don't have a lot of freedom even if you're a trustee or a porter or whatever you it might be called wherever you're at and you do have some access to being outside of your cell or your dorm or whatever maybe 
but you don't have things like you can have in prison and the the freedoms in prison for someone who doesn't have privileges far outweigh the freedoms in county jail so doing two years in county to start off um was good for a few things and was horrible for others good in the sense that it kind of teaches you that things are kind of messed up and you kind of get set in this is just as good as it gets so i was a trustee almost the entire time i was there and um so i had a lot more freedoms but it still sucked but at least i was used to that so when i got to prison prison just seemed a lot better because there was a lot more freedom and you could you know own a radio and a tv and stuff so all that was just icing on my crappy cake but the other big thing that being in county jail for so long helped me with was there were all these people that had been in prison that were cycling through <clears throat> and me being the guy who's fighting a, a, a life sentence a, a murder beef um meant that i'm getting you know schooled up by a bunch of these og guys who have been in and out the system their whole life definitely not the people you want to model but they knew the game in prison. They knew the politics. They, you know, they're asking me questions and telling me what I need to ask and know when I when I finally get to where I'm going. So I, I benefited from being in county jail for so long because I pretty much knew what I had to do when I got got to prison. I will say there were certain things that I just I wouldn't know till I got to where I was going because every yard is going to have just like every office is going to have its own kind of little guidelines and everything but i wanted to kind of put you guys through the general politics and then kind of what it was like for me as a life term a lifer inmate showing up at a yard and and having to do what i had to do to fully be accepted by my group so Politics is is simple yet complex. So when it breaks down, everything is segregated in California. So you got whites, blacks, you got Mexican nationals, you have um, your AMIs or your your American, your your Native American Indians, and you have other. Um, and these are all designated by white is WHT on any classification card. Black is BLK. Um, the the mexican nationals um are just mex and i might even have that wrong i'm sorry if i'm screwing that up i'd have to double check that um others are oth and um, native americans are ami so you see those little prefixes you pretty much know who you're dealing with then within the mexicans um you have uh, northern and southern mexican so those those three classifications under Mexican um, aren't housed together. They're separated. Now, in a dorm setting, you can have everything except Northerners and Southerners in the same dorm. Uh, you'll have a mix of everything else, white, black, other, Indian, you know, the whole nine. Others, which I've explained before, but I'll say it again, is, you know, anyone that doesn't fall in those other buckets. So some Latins, like I'm Latin because I'm, I'm Peruvian descent, um, will go with uh, uh, the Mexicans or ride with the Mexicans. So in other words, they fall in their car or their group and anything that happens, that's who they back. Um, someone like me, I rode with the others. 
others consist of pretty much everything that doesn't fall in those other groups so you're gonna get you know on the latin side you're gonna get you know puerto ricans cubans dominicans peruvians colombians you know but some of those people might ride with mexicans then you're gonna have all your pacific islanders your samoans your tongans uh um and you went from fiji i mean you'd even get people from australia we had russians who didn't want to be white they didn't associate with uh the whites so they they were in our group jamaicans um all the asians all your vietnamese chinese cambodian thai all that right Hmong, everything so anyway you got these segregated groups everyone will have their own internal politics for their groups now mind you whites and blacks kind of like the mexicans the difference is the mexicans you'd have mexican nationals north and south they might have their own little breakout groups by their cities and stuff too but your whites and blacks really would break down there'd be a whole pyramid under that that wth or that blk from your bloods your cribs your different coco county your Aryan brotherhood your nazi lowriders like all these different groups that fall within that and then you got cities and in, in different parts of california your norcal socal your your uh, bgf your 415 you know like all these different groups that roll up so it was like some crazy stuff so you could have internal funk between these groups or the whole car the whole group of whites fighting all the blacks like it didn't matter where you were from what gang you were today you're just white you're just black and we're fighting against the others you know and that's just how it was so i'm kind of working my way up to the actual politics part sorry so politics were pretty simple like everyone has their areas chalked out on a yard and the worst thing ever is to show up at a brand new prison thank god they haven't been building any any of them lately but if you show up at a new prison you're going to be fighting people are going to begin stabbed because people want prime real estate just like out here in the free world right like people will do whatever it takes to get you know boardwalk and park place and prison is no different People want the best picnic tables. They want the best handball court, basketball court. You know, they want the best areas for multiple reasons. It's just the best spot on the yard to see everything. It's the best spot near, you know, um, the exercise equipment. It's the best spot from a security standpoint for that group. Like everything, everything, everything. Or it's the best spot away from the guards where they can't see so you can hide weapons. All that stuff. But people will literally fight and die over claiming that area and once you beat everyone else out that is now your area and no one per the politics is allowed on your property without your approval so that's that's one of the first things with politics right it boils down to you have your area so if you show up me as an other i transfer to another prison i have to find one of my people to let me know where our areas are how we do things here do is it mandatory that you always have your shoes on is it mandatory that when i go to the bathroom i have to have two people to have my back versus just one like all of that or is it a soft lower level yard that i don't need anyone to watch my back when i use the bathroom i can just go by myself and i know all this stuff might sound a little foreign and weird to you but this is prison you know and those politics Something is stupid, and I'll go to that go to the bathroom thing. So, mind you, on the yard, and depending on what level you are in a building, 
bathrooms are open. And mind you, when you're using the bathroom as a man, you're pretty much going to have your back to the entrance. And although they're wide open and anyone can see you, the reality is you are very vulnerable when you use a restroom, right? Especially when you're in the restrooms in the middle of a yard. So it was mandatory. You know, you have to grab someone to go to the bathroom with you. And depending on where you're at, that could be one or two people. It might even be a whole freaking group. Um, so you would have to grab someone. And if you go use a bathroom by yourself, as stupid as this sounds, because it jeopardizes the security of the group, you could be DP'd or put on punishment, disciplinary, right? And you might go, damn, that's messed up. You really have to go to the bathroom. There's no one else around. So you go use it and you're going to get in trouble for that. Yes. Why? There's a bigger picture. And I didn't get it for a while. And then I did get it. And then I didn't agree with it. But the reality is, is I go up to take a piss by myself. Some dude that's about to get taken off the yard because he's a child molester or whatever is walking by and sees an opportunity to do something to me. So he can get off the yard without getting beat up by his own people. And because I don't have my security with me, he takes advantage of that. Hell, maybe even stabs me or something. Who knows? But that chain of events will set off another chain of events. Now my people see what's happening. They jump up to get this guy. Because that's the rules. Someone jumps one of your people, you're jumping in. Unless it's a... Uh, uh, already sanctioned one-on-one deal and you leave them alone so now my people are jumping up and now this guy's people even though they're about to get rid of him anyway they see my people beating this guy up now they jump up now it's a full-on riot now when all the dust settles and and this this is what amazed me the first time i seen this kind of thing like there's an actual investigation that goes on. Like my people will investigate what happened. I will be questioned. I will literally have to document what happened. <laughs> like how did this guy get me? How did he get to me? Where was my security? Why did I not have security? Why did this guy want to get with me on this? What did I do? Like I'm going to have to explain and justify everything that happened. And when push come to shove and it comes down. That. I went to the bathroom by myself, and that's basically why this happened, why me and 10 of my brothers are in the hole now in AdSeg for for being in a riot. They're going to do something to me. And it could be something as simple as, like, I don't get to go to yard. I have to work out for the next three months to I'm getting beat up to I'm getting stabbed. And depending on the severity of the, you know, I, I use that situation. But if, if it was something worse where maybe some people actually got stabbed and everything else, I might get killed. And that and that's politics. That's, that's just the way we get down in there. But those politics, and like I said, I don't necessarily always agree with all of them. But they actually keep keep people safe to an extent. Also put people in jeopardy because when you have to clean up after someone or as we would say, clean your backyard, like there's a child molester or a rapist or something uh, in your group, you know, you clean up your backyard, you get rid of them, you pull the weeds, right? Um, so anyway, one, one of the big things with politics is knowing where you can and can't go. 
if I wanted to go talk to a white inmate, I would go up and have them come out into a neutral area. That goes the same for a black inmate, everything else. As a other, we had a lot more leeway because we didn't fall into any of the buckets and we don't play the gang card. So we would have Bloods and Crips living together. So because we were like that, we were allowed a lot more freedom with where we could walk and talk and who we could interact with and do business with because our group was so open and so multicultural. We we could cross boundaries that other, like whites and blacks can't do business together, but if they go through us, they can. So there, you know, it was just all kinds of craziness when it comes to that kind of in-depth segregation. Um, but... Yeah, if I wanted to go talk to someone, I'd have to call them off of their real estate. And if I went on their real estate, it would never be alone. Just like uh, if someone came to talk to me, they would stop at the boundaries of our picnic tables. Be like, hey, Tito, can I get a word? And if I call them over, they could come in. But I guarantee you they're not coming by themselves. And two, they're not coming in if I have 20 guys sitting at the table and it's just them and one other guy. Because now their security is at risk, even if there's no... No funk, no issue, no concerns going on. It just isn't safe. You know what I mean? So those are the kind of politics. Then it's, you know, no talking to the cops. Like, you should not be interacting with the cops, you know, depending on what level you are. Like, you get to a lower level, it's not that big a deal. Level four is, you ain't got no business talking to a cop unless you're asking for some toilet paper or to get in and out of a building or your cell or whatever, right? So don't talk to cops. You know, don't tell, of course. You get caught snitching and and it's a problem. That's why most people drop kites, which is they basically put a note in, throw it in the mailbox because the cops read all the mail and then they know what's going on. Um, And you you don't tell on anything. Like if you know someone's doing tattoos, you know someone's making wine or or prison hooch, pruno, like you don't tell. You never tell. Or what they call dry snitching, which is... You, you make a statement like, man, it sure smells like freaking Pruno back there. And the cop hears you and they're like, oh, let me go search back there. You just let me know something's going on back there. You know, so things like that. And then politics for like for us and it goes for any group, really. But like you have a responsibility to your car and they call it a car. It's your group. So your car, like everyone in the car, we're all together, right? So they call it a car. And then someone has the keys to the car, which is the shot caller. Um, pretty decent movie. What was that on? Amazon Prime or Netflix? I don't remember. One of the two, but there's a movie called Shot Caller. Uh, a lot of good prison stuff in there, but a little unrealistic of the guy who ends up being the shot caller because he's like a real square business guy. Um, anyway. But a lot of the stuff in there uh, is is pretty good, realistic stuff. So needless to say, you got your shock caller who's going to basically give you the breakdown. Either him or he's going to designate someone. So when I got to Solano State Prison, um, I got out. I got word from the shock caller from San Quentin um, to deliver to the shock caller in Solano so that he would know I'm good. I've already checked out, basically. So I deliver my little password to him. He knows I'm good. 
ask me what I need. And, you know, just even though it's my car that's asking me what I need, I was still like, I don't need anything because I don't want to owe anybody. Even though within your group is usually not a problem, you never want to borrow anything from anyone because, yeah, then you owe them more than what you borrow. But anyway, then he kind of gives me the rundown a little bit, but then assigns someone to basically walk me around and give me the full rundown of what we do, how we do it, what we can and can't do and who we associate with and everything else, right? So I get walked around the 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 track, the yard, about three or four laps and I'm getting schooled on everything, you know? Um and ironically later on when people I know from either county jail or San Quentin are pulling up because I know them. It was my job to walk them around the yard and break down, like, here's how we do things here. And, you know, you're in this building. This is the person you want to talk to if you got an issue and everything else. So the politics, are, you know, it, it's a real thing. And um, it, it's, it's crazy. So I don't want to go too in-depth because I want to get some other people to kind of talk about this stuff. That's, that's my mission for next week, try to get someone on Skype or something so we can have a more in-depth discussion on this but let, let me give you kind of what i went through as a guy with 15 years to life showing up april no i'm sorry what was it april may june i guess june somewhere around june um no anyway somewhere in a, a, a 1999 showing up in prison right so oh uh, i got put in building one um which was a lifer building. So pretty much everyone who is closed custody. So they have, when you have a lot of time and you still have a lot of time before you're getting close to when you go to your board hearing, they, they put you closed custody, which is basically you're, you're a little bit higher security. They want you in the cell earlier and they count you a lot more than they do everyone else. So you, you'll be like close A, which is the max. And then when you get a little bit closer, you get some more time on your belt, you'll go close B. And then you have a little bit more freedom. Uh, you get to stay out in the day room. Like close A, you had to be locked up at 6 o'clock. So basically after you go to dinner, you're in the cell the rest of the day. That's it. Your day's over. When you're close B, you don't get to go to yard at night, but you can go to the day room at night. Then when you come off close custody altogether, then you have, you know, you can go out to yard and everything else, you know, day and night. So needs to say I was close A and I'm in this life for building and um, I don't have a privilege card. And even if I had one being close A, I, I don't have a lot of access to stuff. So um, our shot caller, he's basically like, hey, um, and, and it's all a test. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Um, I was kind of told I would be tested to make sure, you know, my heart's in the right place and all that stuff. I, I just didn't know to what extent. And being that I went to a level three, not a level four, and it was considered more of a soft yard, like there wasn't a lot of hardcore stuff going on, I, I figured I wouldn't have to do too much. I was wrong. Good thing is I didn't have to, like, stab anyone or anything crazy. But here's what I pretty much went through. So pretty much that first week or two I was there – most of this stuff happened. So first thing happened was our shot caller comes up to my cell door and he's like, hey, he's a small guy, right? And he goes, hey, Oos, I need you to hold this for a few days. And I just see something come flying under the door and it's basically eh, probably an eighth, 
no, I'll say a quarter of an ounce of weed. And I'm like, oh, man, mind you, I have, like, nothing. I have no property. Like, most people have a ton of stuff in their cell. I have nothing in my cell. I have, like, a few soups and some other stuff. My celly was new, so he didn't really have anything. I'm like, dang. So, I mean, I did, like, the most stupid and obvious thing trying to hide something in prison. I cut a little hole in my mattress. I tied a string around it, stuffed it way down my mattress, and left, like, the, the string where I could reach it if I need to pull it out. I was scared shitless for the few days I had it. And then, like the second day, uh, SNI, which is Security and Investigation, which we call the Goon Squad, they're kind of like the task force in prison, right? They come in and they're searching cells. They got the freaking dog and everything. And I'm just like, holy shit. Like, I know I'm a lifer. I know I'll probably never go home. But I sure as hell don't want to catch another case and more time on top of it. So I'm stressed out. I'm literally at the door. I pull the damn weed out. I'm like, I'm going to flush it down the toilet. I'll just get my ass beat. I don't care. Like, I'm scared shitless. I have it in my hand. I'm sweating. They search like five cells. Take off. Right? And then my shot caller comes up to the door. Bangs on the door. He goes, hey, fool, let me get that. And I'm like, all right, here you go. He's like, all right, good looking out. Takes off. And I'm just like, shit. I don't want this to be like literally the rest of my life, right? That someone's going to be handing me shit. So <laughs> right when I think, okay, maybe I'm cool. I don't want to even tell anyone about it. I don't want to ask anyone about it because I'm in fear that I'll get in trouble for asking and being a punk, right? So I don't say shit. Just like whatever. A couple days later. Shot caller comes up with a couple other Simone guys. He's like, hey, man, we got some we got some tension with the Southsiders, man. We got to be ready. And I'm like, all right. And he gives me a piece. It was a, a shitty piece, I will say that. But basically it was a big nail that was fashioned into a, a shank, into a weapon, right? And he's like, need you to carry this on the yard until things cool down. And I'm like, oh, shit. So if you ever watch Lockup, you'll kind of see it. If you see a prison movie, you'll kind of see it. Basically, they have SNEs on the yard, which are the correctional officers, uh, search and escort. They're basically yard cops. And they'll walk around. They'll randomly stop people, pat them down, search them, check your lunch bag, whatever, check your cup to see if you're drinking wine or whatever. Um, for the most part, if there's no tension on the yard, they kind of just kick back. And where we were at, it was hot. So a lot of times they don't like walking around. They're in their jumpsuits and stuff. You have your gung-ho ones that, you know, think they're Rambo and stuff. And they, they live for walking around and searching people. But for the most part, it's not a, a a real bad thing. But, yeah, they will randomly stop people. So here I am. I don't have, you know, like I'm... I don't I don't have anything and I'm just walking around with this freaking nail wrapped up nail like in my waistband. I was scared to freaking death. I was more scared getting caught with it than having to use it. I will say that. But this was part of my kind of initiation into to prison, right? And I carried it around. It wasn't that long. It was he only made me keep it for a few days and asked for it back and he took it back and I was never well, I was asked to do some other things in the rest of my time, of course, but that was like the test. And not to mention, I didn't know, uh, to be honest, if 
a cop had stopped me, I don't know what I would have did. Uh, I really don't. But these are the kind of things you like. You go through, and don't get me wrong, that's lightweight shit. Like some of these dudes, they have to carry a piece up their ass like every day, one month out of the year. Like there are some ridiculous politics that go on in some of those other groups, and then on higher level security levels, right? So politics ain't no joke. But that's why I also jokingly say, like, someone who can weather that storm in prison can get out and play politics in other arenas easily because it's nothing. It is nothing. It really isn't. Um, But anyway, I just wanted to give you all a taste of kind of like some of the stuff I had to go through when I first, you know, got in. Um, I'll go over some more because that's just like the very first few weeks. I'll definitely go over some more stuff. I also want to have some guests on here to kind of talk about what they might have had to uh, go through. But anyway, um, please shoot a comment if you have some questions about what I just talked about or some more in-depth questions. Um, Know that uh, uh, if you have a loved one that's going in, um, definitely their affiliations, if they have any, if there's gang affiliation, there's shit they got to do that, um, can be really crazy. And mind you, there ain't like you go in as a gang member or affiliate, you're riding and dying until you get out or you're, you're potentially getting really beat the hell up or killed to get out of that situation, or you're, you're PCing up, or, you know, it's SNY, Sensitive Needs Yard, you'll, you'll go SNY, and then your name is shit for the rest of your existence, and you, you still got to worry about someone trying to get you in prison, because that's, that's a huge thing, if you can get to someone who's protective 